Welcome to the St Edward's School podcast, the place where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about life at the school. In this episode, our very first, we speak to Becca Forster about well-being with the children. We're going to find out how the school keeps an eye out for the well-being of young people at St Edward's and how well-being and academic success can go hand in hand. But we also find out about Ted and Digby, the school dogs, arguably the best way to encourage anyone to smile. So come with me as we step into St Edward's School. Becca, thank you for joining us on the St Edward's School podcast. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you. Very good. Uh, we're recording this on a on a Tuesday morning. Uh, tell me a little bit about how Tuesdays often look for you in school. Well, Tuesdays for me personally at school, I am over at the prep school uh, with the younger children where I do my well-being sessions and I take my, my well-being dog Ted with me. So for me, Tuesday, if it wasn't half term, I would be over at the prep school uh, seeing some of my children um, and doing some well-being stuff with them. So that's what my Tuesday would normally look like if it wasn't half term. And when you say half term, you mean Easter holidays, of course. Easter holidays, yes. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Okay, so Becca, just for the sake of people listening to this, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do at the school and how long you've been there for, please? Absolutely. So I've been at St Edward's for about three years now as the well-being nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, And I came to the school myself. So I've, you know, it's got a special place in my heart, I guess. Mm. Um, Mm. So what I do here is the well-being nurse. I mean, my background is mental health um, nursing. So I'm a qualified mental health nurse. Um, But at the school, I'm known as the well-being nurse. So it's Becca, the well-being nurse and Ted, the well-being dog, the two of us together. Um, So what, for me, what I try to do for uh, across both schools so the prep school and the senior school is I'm in a couple of times a week and you know my aim is to try and see children and young people who are suffering with you know any any sort of form of mental health problem I think when we sort of say mental health problem that really is such a a broad term so Mm. that can be anything from seeing children who are suffering with you know anything from sleep problems to ongoing anxiety depression stress exam stress stuff around sort of self-esteem and self-worth so really it the the list is endless really in terms of you know what what I tend to work with so uh, my background is nursing so for me a huge part of my job is to sort of detect early onset early detection I guess of anything that could be sort of bubbling away you know so if there's a, a young person who's just starting to show you know signs of anxiety um, or sort of you know, mood swings or anything like that, then really you know, a big part of my job is to try and get in there as quick as I can, look at the signs and symptoms, look at the presentation, and hopefully try and nip it in the bud before it sort of escalates and gets worse. You know, we often hear that things like depression, anxiety, for example, and low self-esteem, it all goes hand in hand. So if we can get in there early, you know, especially over at the prep where I'm seeing sort of, you know, young children, um, you know, if we're seeing little sort of signs of anything like that popping up, then, you know, I can try and get in there as soon as possible and give that young person a safe space, you know, really to, to go through, you know, how they're feeling. And sometimes the request to see me will come from parents, carers, it can come from the teaching staff. So, and like I say, the, the list is endless of, of the sort of things that I might come across. 
working with me, I've got a, a counsellor, a psychotherapeutic counsellor who can also come in as well if there's a need for some ongoing work. Sometimes all, all the young person needs is maybe you know, one or two sessions. But really, we tend to sort of focus on offering that safe space for that young person to be heard. Mm. And, and we hear it a lot that sometimes young people feel like they're not being listened to. So we like to think okay. that we can get in there and, and give them that safe space you know, to be heard. So like I say, myself, mental health nurse, uh, then my colleague... Emma, who is a counsellor, and the two of us, you know, kind of work together to offer that sort of nursing input and that therapeutic input, which really works quite nicely together. So it's really interesting that you talk about these sort of early detection um, things that you can look out for. But I guess, of course, that you can't be everywhere at any one time. So you must be quite heavily dependent on the teaching staff and parents that you mentioned earlier for them to feed back to you what they're seeing in their classrooms or what they're experiencing at home. And I I rely a lot on that, I guess, from the teachers, you know, and again, quite often we hear that, you know, our children, you know, I'm a mum myself, you know, they can present very differently at home to how they present at school. So it's really, 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 you know, important, vitally important that we get sort of both perspectives that the the teaching staff can say, well, actually, at school, this is what we're seeing. And at home, mum, dad, carer, you know, might say, well, actually, we're seeing something very, very different. So I'm, you know, also reliant on everyone, you know, across the school and at home to to really be able to kind of share that information with me about what they're see- about what they're seeing. But certainly, yes, you know, I'm I'm not in every day, and that's where you know we we've got a really fantastic team of teaching staff across both schools that you know we're, we're a small school you know we're a nurturing school really really caring school and that's where you know we all play our part in picking up on that you know those early signs and again it, it could be one of those things where we might hear that a teacher's picked up on something very different to what you know another teacher because obviously as soon as you get to senior school uh, the young people are moving around the classrooms they do of that course. a little bit yeah. in the prep so everyone's got a, their own sort of I guess take on how that individual is presenting so you know we rely on each other I guess a lot to to bring all that information forward which really helps build up a picture for this young person yeah so tell me why well-being and mental health is so important in 2021 I think more than ever at the moment it's being talked about more and and I think I mean I've been doing this now for 18 years and I certainly have seen a massive change I would say over the last sort of 10 years that stigma seems to be getting smaller and smaller we seem to be chipping away at that now more than ever and that is amazing to see and it's being talked about everyone seems to have a complete you know a completely different mindset in some in some ways about about mental health and that stigma that was there going back a long time ago is thankfully getting chipped away at which is really really great to see for me personally you know Getting mental health talked about at a young age is vital, I I believe, to help get rid of that stigma even more, to help sort of get rid of those, you know, social misconceptions that, that we see, especially nowadays where we've got social media playing such a huge part in our young people's lives. Um, there's so much pressure on young people now to uh, be a certain way, whether that's in the way they look or in the way they uh, present or who they are or how they are academically or in sport or, you know, there is masses of pressure. And I think in school, if we can 
get in there quickly, if we can make mental health something that everyone's talking about, letting the young people know that there are services around. You know, we're, we're lucky at St Edward's because we've got, you know, a really good team, a really good wellbeing team. We have a school nurse, we have, you know, a pastoral lead, we have a counsellor, we have me, you know, trying to sort of create that team that the young people can go to you know, whether it is a Tuesday, whether it is a Friday, whether I'm here mm. or whether I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, and also as well, you know, I feel it's about kind of training the brain in, in some in some areas. And what I mean by that is resilience. This is something that we hear a lot about at the moment. It's a real buzzword, this resilience, you know, again, trying to sort of compete against what society says, you know, we should be like this or we should look like that. You know, if we can sort of get in there quick and really help these young people to build up that resilience and that inner strength so that when they leave us and go off into the big wide world you know they they feel confident in their own skin their self-esteem is strong and we've obviously with the pandemic that's gone on uh, you know and the lockdowns that we've had to sort of go through certainly I think everybody would agree with me that we have seen a you know a real rise in sort of mental health problems within young people um, and that adjustment for a lot of them sort of going from being at home, not being able to go out, not being able to socialise, relying on their screens and their phones and their, you know, whatever, and then coming back into school. You know, there's a lot of a lot of adjustment there. And I think the, the lockdowns have really had an impact on young people's, you know, mental health and well-being. You know, and statistically, I think the most latest figures are saying that it's one in 10 young people. Uh, sort of presenting with some sort of mental health problem. I wouldn't be surprised if that has gone up, if it's more than that now. I think I read another statistic recently that said that 70% of children and young people who experience a mental health problem have not had any input at all. So again, that's a, quite a frightening statistic that that it many is. young people are you know, have had or have suffered with some sort of mental health issue and they haven't gone and got help. And I think it was on the news not not so long ago that children and young people's mental health services are their waiting lists in a lot of the bigger cities you know we're looking at about sort of two years so it's you know it's vital I feel that mental health is talked about and it's there and it's laid out on the table you know right from the get-go that it's that it's in the curriculum that's that's a huge thing for me and you mentioned about it being talked about and and it does feel like like there's a much greater shift towards talking openly about this kind of thing in our lives but how much further do you think we still have to go as a nation you know i'm thinking about if you were uh, if you were talking to a random person on the train or on the bus for example then if they had a broken leg it's it's very easy to talk about a broken yeah. leg but a broken mind is different yeah. isn't it it's easier than it used to be but how much further do you think we still have to go that's a really good question and I think that comes in two parts really I think one of those parts comes down to the individual themselves feeling confident enough and strong enough to be able to go and get help and that's a huge thing isn't it you know human nature is is a very interesting concept isn't it you know (laughs) I think you know human nature quite often we know what it's like when we don't feel very well Mm. we know what it's like to to be to have you know something wrong with us physically and Mm. we will put it off you know we all do it oh I'll make a doc I'll give it another week I'll see how I feel in the morning (laughs) you know and it's only 
when we get to that sort of point where we can't walk anymore or we really feel we're in crisis point, do we go, ah, okay, yeah, I think I need help now. So I think really when it comes to that individual, it's about, you know, as soon as you feel that something's not right, as soon as you feel that you're just not, there's just something in you that doesn't feel, you know, like it did yesterday or like it did last week, where you feel like the old you is not there anymore and you don't feel like yourself, you know, to get in there quick and ask for help. And I think... You know, within, I mean, I work for the NHS as well. So when I'm not at um, St. Edward's as the uh, wellbeing nurse, I'm an adult psychiatric nurse for the NHS. So okay. it's interesting for me to be able to sort of see, you know, both sides really. And I know mm. that the NHS, their waiting lists are, you know, huge for mental health support. We've had cuts in our services over the years, but there's a lot of support in and out of the NHS now, you know, and mm. you've only got to go on to Google and anyone can go on to Google and type in mental health support for young people. And there's mm. a whole array, you know, of support that's out there. But I think a lot of it comes from that individual feeling able to put their hand up and ask for help. And with regards to other services, I think it's only getting better in terms of what is available but certainly I feel at the moment, right now, the biggest struggle we've got with services are the waiting lists, mm. you know, and that mm. I think that is the NHS, you know, we've, we clap for them on Thursdays, we praise them, you know, Boris Johnson talks about protecting the NHS and it goes across the board, whether it's COVID related or whether it's mental health related, the NHS is stretched and that's why now a lot of other services are, you know, creating uh, support for for people so it definitely comes from the individual and it comes from what is around and what can be accessed becca i've got a question for which you'd be forgiven is thinking is a loaded question and and it clearly is but what might you say to someone who says something like well we didn't need a well-being nurse during the war and we did all right from that why do we need one now how Mm. would you approach that sort of question from from somebody yeah that's a that's a good one I think, you know, certainly in, you know, in my job, you know, I'm faced with sort of comments like that, I guess, a lot. Um, and, and certainly, you know, we hear it, you know, people have got their own opinion about mental health. And I guess that sort of goes back to that stigma again. And I think mm-hmm. maybe going going way back to sort of that kind of time that you're talking about, it was swept under the carpet. You know, there was that sort of sense of, you know, it, it shows a sign of weakness that that I'm, you know, that we're talking about mental health, that stiff upper lip. I think so much has changed since then. I think we're in a completely different world to what we were back then. And I think if someone, if I were to hear someone sort of say something like that, well, I don't know, really. I think, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion and everybody is different. Everyone works in their own way. And there are some people, you know, maybe of that generation, I guess, that could have maybe dealt with it on their own and didn't need the input. But we're all different. We've all got different personalities. We're all made up differently. And everyone's got their own way of, you know, of of, of dealing with mental health you know so it's interesting of course that clearly after the war there are lots of cases of PTSD and uh, you know I wonder how many of those cases wouldn't have happened if there'd been increased support at the time I'm not sure I don't know this isn't the field I'm qualified in but I I don't know what your thoughts are on that yeah and it's interesting you should say that because now you know when you look at things like PTSD and that's that's one of my specialist areas actually within the NHS um, I link I link in a lot with 
a lot of the charities for veterans. Uh, and again, when you look now at what is available for people that have suffered with PTSD who have come out of, um, you know, a military background. Mm. And, you know, there again, the support is huge. That was never around eight, ten years ago. So it just shows that people that, are, that, that have perhaps uh, been out to a war zone and experienced that sort of trauma there must have been somewhere along the line, someone must have said, actually, that kind of attitude of let's just sweep it under the carpet. You know, we're men, we're soldiers. We don't need that sort of input. You know, we're strong enough. Somewhere along the line, that's obviously just been, you know, completely scrapped. And now we've got so much support out there for people suffering, you know, and there is across the board, no matter what mental health problem you know, an individual is dealing with, we've got services that cover everything now, you know, across the county. We've got eating disorders teams, you know, we've got early onset of psychosis teams, you know, we've got obviously children and young persons teams, we've got therapy teams. There is so much available to access. Sounds fantastic. It really does. Let's bring it back to the school for a second then. Tell me a little bit about wellbeing in the school and how that can lead to academic success within St Edwards. Well, we know that when people suffer with uh, a mental health problem, whether it's depression, anxiety, stress, whatever it is, we know that there's there's an impact on an individual's ability to concentrate. When we look at the signs and symptoms of, let's take, let's take depression, for example, when I'm looking mm-hmm. at these clinical indicators, I'm looking at, you know, low mood, obviously. I'm looking okay. at poor concentration, poor energy levels, poor motivation, forgetfulness, memory loss, poor sleep, poor appetite. You know, there's a massive list of all those clinical indicators that I would be looking for if I were to be, you know, sitting with someone who might be presenting with depression. So I think it's so vitally important that if if, if a young person is struggling with their mental health, that they are aware through teaching through the knowledge that the teachers have through the well-being service that that individual knows that actually it's not just a case of feeling a bit low or flat you know depression for example we're just going to use depression as an example here can have a massive effect on all those other things that I've listed you know and it could be that the first sign of depression for a young person might not necessarily be low mood it might be you know, lack of focus, lack of concentration, you know, so it's all those things that's going to have a massive impact on their ability to sit in a lesson, you know, and concentrate. When you're depressed and your mind is elsewhere or you've got a lot going on at home and that's making you feel miserable and your brain is filled with everything that's going on in your life that's not making you feel great, how is that young person going to sit in a lesson and and be able to give it 100%? They're not. So, you know, it's really important that, you know, again, this is where we work really closely with the teachers, that if anyone is seeing, you know, that a young person is struggling with their concentration and it's having an impact on, having an impact on their academic ability, you know, we're looking at that and thinking, well, what is going on? What can we do to help, you know, to, to get in there quickly? And again, this is where we come back to that early detection. Can we nip something in the bud, you know, before they leave St Edwards and go off to wherever they're going to go off to next can can we sort of talk about this and and put that help in as soon as possible so that they don't have to carry that load on their own so it, it's it's huge when it comes to you know and you think about the school day you think about you think about a Monday to Friday that individual is spending more time at school than they are at home you know of course yeah. so it, it's it's huge that we can can work with them you know, and, and again, because sometimes when people suffer with depression, they don't necessarily suffer with all those symptoms that I listed. 
you know, it could just be two or three, you know, and everyone's different, especially in a school environment. You know, we want them to feel safe. We want them to feel um, supported, not only academically, but, you know, with regards to their mental health and their well-being as well. Well, it sounds to me like the school's got a very positive culture when it comes to well-being. And earlier you mentioned Ted being one of the dogs. But yes. I believe there are two dogs, is that right? <laughs> yes, there are two cockapoos. Tell me all about those two dogs. <laughs> so Ted is my dog. Okay. And he's my cockapoo. And then we've got Digby, who belongs to Emma Rye, our school nurse. Okay. Um, and Digby is with Emma every day, sorry, Monday to Thursday at mm-hmm. the senior school. Um, and then I bring Ted in with me when I go to the prep school. And then when I bring him into the senior school to do my wellbeing sessions. So there's there's usually always at least one dog <laughs> running around the grounds. It's really lovely. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's been amazing to be able to have, you know, the school on board with having a well-being dog. You know, mm. we know that dogs, pets have a real positive impact you know, on, on sort of psychology, on physiology, really helps. You know, there's there's been um, vast research that's gone into uh, schools having having pets, therapy dogs being in hospitals, care homes. Again, you know, the list is endless. But, you know, that it's been shown that stroking a dog can reduce blood pressure, it can reduce heart rate, and it can bring a real calming effect. And certainly for, I don't want to speak for um, Emma, the school nurse, but I know that she would, she would be saying to me, or she would agree with what I'm saying with, that when she does her job... And a, a child sort of comes in and they've twisted their ankle or they don't feel very well, they've got a headache, whatever it is. Having Digby, her dog there, is a really lovely distraction, you know. Aww. And Digby will sort of, you know, go up to the, the, the child and make a fuss. And it really <laughs> it helps. It really helps. And certainly with my job, having Ted with me, again, it's a similar situation. It's, it's a distraction to some extent. You know, some people really struggle to sort of talk and communicate. They find that really, really hard. So Ted can be a real kind of icebreaker. He's fantastic at knowing when an individual is upset. So he, he recognises the sound of sniffing and crying. Oh wow. That's always interesting when hay fever season comes in. He gets it, gets it a little <laughs> bit wrong sometimes. But, you know, he knows when to sort of cuddle up. He'll drop his head on on laps when he knows that the, the children are upset. You know, take him out for a walk. Yeah, it's, it's topic of conversation. You know, it's it's been a really, really positive uh, move that we've made, bringing Digby and Ted in. It's been brilliant. It sounds fantastic. I think we all need a Digby and Ted in our lives. I really do. (laughs) Uh, Becca, I'd love to share something about you with the people listening to this. I've got a couple of questions that just relate to you. Nothing at all to do with well-being. Um, Here's our first one. The Scandinavians talk about their sort of their cosy, happy place with friends. They call it their hygge, don't Mm -hmm. they? Um, What might be your perfect place to spend some downtime? That's a good question. Um... I do a lot of walking. Okay. That's what I do. I, mm-hmm. I, I love walking. I do a bit of writing as well. I'll put my headphones on. I'll listen to an audio book. And I, that's when I can multitask. I can walk the dog and get some exercise and read a book at the same time. It's brilliant. <laughs> Very good. So that's definitely, yeah, that's my thing. Bit of walking with the dog, bit of writing. Yeah, that, that's what I do. <laughs> okay, here's our next question. If you could spend a whole weekend with anyone, dead or alive, who might you choose? Oh, wow. Um, This is going to sound so bizarre and weird. Um, 
I'm dying well, to know now. <laughs> <laughs> Some people that listen to this that know me really well are going to be going, oh, I know what she's going to say. Well, I have, I have two people. Mm-hmm. I don't, am I allowed two people? Go on, then we can make the up our own rules. I'm a massive Michael Jackson fan. Oh, same um, as. And I think he fascinated me mm-hmm. growing up. Everything about him. I know there's been a lot of controversy about him in recent years, but I've always been so interested in how he grew up, his childhood. Uh, his childhood was quite sort of chaotic and distorted. So I've, that, I think that's probably, if I'm being honest with you, how I maybe got into sort of a bit of psychology going back, um, looking at sort of the impact of uh, trauma and sort of childhood difficulties, how that impacts on people growing up. Um, and also because he's brilliant. So that's my first one. Okay. My second one would probably be um, either Rick Mayle. Okay. Rest in peace. Love Rick yeah. Mayle. Or Robin Williams. You know, oh. that comedic actor. Yeah. Just absolutely hilarious. I love mm. a bit of comedy. So just because, again, I think with Robin Williams, he suffered with mental health problems all his life, yet he was able to go on to stage or in front of a camera and just put this mask on and yeah so yeah three so you ask for one Michael Jackson (laughs) Rick Mayo and Robin Robin Williams Williams. that would be a great dinner party wouldn't it (laughs) (laughs) that that would be good fun you'd be leaving with a smile on your face for sure (laughs) okay and what was the one band that you didn't see in concert that you wish you had oh do you know what I'm a massive music fan so I've been to a lot of concerts I've been to a lot one band. I'm going to say you can't say Michael Jackson, though. Oh, I've seen him in concert. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, oh, that's a really difficult one. I would have, I would like to see Genesis. Okay. And apparently they're going to do a tour soon, so you never know. Phil Collins mm. is, he's not quite like he used to be, but that doesn't matter. So, yeah. He can still play the drums, so that's important. He can still play, he can just about. Bless him. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we need to bring this to a close in a minute, but for anyone who's heard anything and might have a follow-up question or any concerns at all, how should they get in touch? My um, email address, and email's always the best way because obviously I'm not in school every day. Uh, and certainly uh, anyone within St Edwards can find my email address. Uh, we've got a dashboard, there's a wellbeing window. And I think I think even walking up to this room to do this podcast today, I saw my email address on a on a screen in the middle of the um, communal area at school. But it's right. r.forster at stedwards.co.uk. And that is available for anybody to drop me a line and, and, and talk. Talk okay. about how you're feeling. Excellent. Out of doubt. Becca, yeah. thank you for being with us today. It's been really thank good you. hearing all about the advances of in this field of mental health, but especially at St Edward's. Thank you so it's much. It's been great. Thank you very much. So that was Becca Forster, wellbeing and school nurse at St Edward's School. Thank you, Becca, for coming on to this episode. Don't forget, if you have any questions, you can contact Becca directly by emailing r.forster at stedwards.co.uk. Now, if you haven't followed or subscribed to this channel yet, then now is the time to do so, because then when each episode is released, you'll receive a small notification just to let you know. So go do that now. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode and we'll see you again soon. Bye for now.